Well, hello, oddballs. It's your host, Bobby, and this is Oddities on Elm Street. Thank you all so much for joining us again for another episode. This one is going to be a little bit different because I am here by myself. It's definitely very strange not having anyone to talk to. I mean, I'm talking to you guys, but I feel like a little crazy talking to an empty chair. So I do have a couple things to go over real quick. We have a new patron, so I want to say a huge thank you to Shauna for joining the spookiest crew. Thank you so much, Shauna. We appreciate your support. It means everything to us. We really couldn't do this without you guys. And if you want to become a patron to support the show, you can check that out at patreon.com slash oddities on Elm Street. We're going to be posting this month's mini-episode soon. I posted some bloopers over the weekend, so definitely go check that out. And also, we have the winner of our giveaway. If you weren't here the last couple of weeks, we have partnered again with the Mysterious Package Company to give away their new game, Body of Evidence, and the winner of that is... Emma Longwell. Thank you so much, Emma, and thank you to everyone who joined the giveaway. I will be reaching out for your address and we'll get that sent out. All right. So today, like I said, is going to be a little bit different, but I have done my best scouring the internet to find the spookiest stories I could present to you all. Before we start today's episode, If you are not a regular listener, this is your warning that some of these stories may be disturbing, so trigger warning for that. With all of that being said, let's jump right in. So, back in the 1970s, my mom was a teenager living in Houston. She and her nine siblings lived in the Heights, which she says is a nice neighborhood now, but at the time was something of a slum. Her family was super, super poor. Anyways, my mom had a crush on one of her brother's friends. She was around 14 or 15 at the time. He was a few years older, but she was in love. His name was Mark. Well, around this time, boys started disappearing from the neighborhood. They weren't leaving notes or telling anyone that they were leaving. The families were calling the police, but the police weren't doing anything about it. They decided that the boys had run away and never really looked into it further. After all, these were poor kids living in a bad neighborhood. They ran away all the time. Life goes on. One day, Mark disappears too. Meanwhile, my mom's younger brother is hitching a ride out to the beach to go fishing. He did this on a regular basis, and would bum a ride from anyone. On the way to the beach, the guy driving the car stops to fill up the gas tank. The guy working at the gas station... Mom says they used to call him Weird Larry, sees my uncle and asks who he's with. My uncle replies that he doesn't actually know the guy. Larry won't let my uncle go any further and makes him get out of the car. The driver goes on without him. Now, then three years have passed since boys started disappearing, 
and they finally found out what happened. A man had been paying two boys to lure teenage boys to his house, where he drugged them, strapped them to a wooden board, tortured them, raped them, and killed them. There were at least 28 victims, and Mark Scott was one of them. The only reason they found out was because the two teenagers murdered the serial killer, and then told police all about the murders and led them to some of the bodies. And guess who picked up my uncle the day he was going fishing? About 10 years ago, I was recently divorced and was living alone in a one-bedroom apartment. The place was clean and the rent was decent. One of those places that had a doorman. I felt safe there. I was alone and loving it, focused on my career and not on my clingy ex-husband. Things were finally looking up for me. At the time, I was working pretty late at the office and would often stumble into my apartment sleep-deprived in the early morning hours and wake up by 6.37ish to start the day. I started noticing that in the morning, my door would be unlocked sometimes. I usually dismissed this as my sleep-dead brain thinking that the bed looked more appealing than locking my door. Another thing that I noticed since moving in was that I seemed to misplace things a lot more than I used to. Little things, like a hairbrush, or nail polish, that sort of thing. It wasn't really that big of a deal, just enough to be a slight annoyance in my day. The longer I lived there, the more frequently I seemed to forget to lock the door. At first, it was every once in a while, then it seemed like an almost everyday occurrence. More things went missing, things like pictures, shaving razors, and most disturbingly, my underwear. This went on for long enough that I started to get a little paranoid. I started to take the time at night to make sure the door was locked. I got into a habit of every night after I locked the door to turn the handle three times and say to myself, it's locked, it's locked, it's locked. Time after time, I would wake up and the door would be unlocked. One time, I even tried staying up all night to watch the door, but I ended up falling asleep in my chair. I decided that my mind was not reliable enough to stay up all night, so I invested in a video camera. I went all out and bought the fanciest camera that I could get my hands on. So one night, I set the camera up facing the door. I hid the camera under a pile of towels on the floor. I locked the door and went to bed. When I woke up, my apartment looked normal, nothing missing that I could see. I decided to check the tape. I fast-forwarded through hours of footage, not seeing anything. I was just about to give up when I noticed the handle of the door jiggle. Then, it slowly crept open. A figure slid through the half-open door and walked toward the camera. It paused, looked around as if it was listening for something, then walked forward into direct view of the camera. I paused the camera. The hairs on my arms and the back of my neck started to rise. I was staring directly into the face of the maintenance man of the building. I could see those big, thick glasses and curly hair. I had no doubt who it was. I played the tape a little more. He looked comfortable as he walked around the apartment. Then he turned and walked towards my bedroom and out of view of the camera. I didn't know what to do. Sobbing, I called the police. I tried to explain over the phone, but couldn't. 
Soon enough, two officers arrived at my doorstep. I told them everything and showed them the tape. I remember seeing the blood drain from their faces. They promised me that I was safe and that they were going to get this guy. I needed to lay down, but I didn't want to be alone. One of the officers offered to stand outside my apartment door as I took a nap. As I was laying in bed, unable to sleep, but too drained to move, something kept nagging at me. I laid there for a few minutes, tossing and turning, unable to get comfortable or rest. My mind was racing. Then, a realization slowly washed over me and chilled me to the bone. We watched the tape and saw the man enter my home, but we never saw him leave. I froze, then started shaking. I needed to get to the front door. I sat up and looked around the room. I couldn't see anyone. I swung my legs over the side of the bed cautiously. My feet hit the cold wood floor and I felt warm breath on my ankles. I raced out of my apartment as fast as I could and to the safety of the police officer. He called for backup. They found the man under my bed clutching a knife and a Polaroid camera. There was a hunter in the woods who, after a long day hunting, was in the middle of an immense forest. It was getting dark, and having lost his bearings, he decided to head in one direction until he was clear of the increasingly oppressive foliage. After what seemed like hours, he came across a cabin in a small clearing. Realizing how dark it had grown, he decided to see if he could stay there for the night. He approached and found the door ajar. Nobody was inside. The hunter flopped down on the single bed, deciding to explain himself to the owner in the morning. As he looked around, he was surprised to see the walls adorned by many portraits, all painted in incredible detail. Without exception, they appeared to be staring down at him, their features twisted into looks of hatred. Staring back, he grew increasingly uncomfortable. Making an effort to ignore the many hateful faces, he turned to face the wall, and exhausted, he fell into a restless sleep. Face down in an unfamiliar bed, he turned, blinking in unexpected sunlight. Looking up, he discovered that the cabin had no portraits, only windows. I was about seven years old, my brother about ten. It was well past our bedtime when our mom woke up off the couch to put us to bed. Our dad worked construction out of town back then, so it was often just us three at the house for weeks at a time. Up the stairs and to the immediate right was our parents' bedroom. Going left put you to the middle of the hallway. Taking another left down that hallway led to my brother's room. The opposite end was my room, which was also across the hall from our upstairs bathroom. At either end of the hallway are windowed doors we always kept locked and rarely used. The door on my end led to a balcony overlooking our front yard, and the door on my brother's end opened to our back porch. The house kinda leans into a small hill. My brother and mom both had a habit of waking up in the middle of the night to use the bathroom. I only knew this because I was always a light sleeper and they just couldn't help flushing with the door wide open. This night, however, my brother stopped on his way to his room and came back towards the bathroom. I'm gonna try to go pee before I go to bed, 
The past few nights, I've been too afraid to walk to the bathroom. I keep seeing a man wearing stripes at the end of the hallway. I don't know if my mom wrote it off as my brother telling ghost stories to try to scare me or if she was already half asleep and didn't catch it, but she didn't react at all to my brother's confession. I, on the other hand, was terrified by it. The fear of seeing a ghost like that at the end of the hallway or through the windows is the reason I started running from the stairs to my bedroom at night. Years later, when I was about 18, my mom and I were having a conversation in her car about a dog we had for a very short time when I was little. We were sharing stories about Max's tendency towards destroying my shoes and other unruly behaviors when my mom blurted out, Do you remember that time I opened the front door for the cops? and Max ran inside to the kitchen and started tearing open that big bag of dog food we had. This really caught me by surprise, because in all of the years I lived in that house, we never once called the cops. I asked her what she was talking about, and she looked equally surprised, as if she had just revealed something by accident. Oh, that's right. I never told you, because you were too young at the time. One night, I woke up hearing noises outside my window, and when I looked, I saw a man staring into my bedroom. She went on to describe how turning on all of the lights caused him to take off running and how she grabbed my dad's pistol before calling the cops. I can't remember all the details I gave them when they showed up. Tall, white male, wearing a striped shirt and jeans, short, dark hair, something like that. They said it matched the description of a man they were looking for in the area. It turns out he had escaped from jail on a murder charge. Now, I know it sounds so obvious hearing those two stories back to back, but it wasn't until a few years ago, in my mid-twenties, that I pieced together that my brother had unknowingly warned us about a murderer who spent multiple nights casing our house. So, last night, I was at a classmate's house working on a group project we have due tomorrow. I live in an apartment in the town where our university is located, and my classmate lives at his parents' house, which is in the foothills just outside of town. In order to get to the house, you have to drive along a relatively secluded and narrow two-lane road for about five to six miles. We started working on the project at about 6 p.m., and I ended up hanging around for a while after we finished our working. So I left his house pretty late, at about 11, and started down the road back toward town. I didn't realize how tough it would be to navigate the road at night. There were no street lights, and the road was unkept and riddled with potholes. On top of this, I had no cell service, so I had to drive very slowly to make sure I didn't blow out one of my tires since I used my spare a couple weeks back. I figure I was about three miles from the house when I rounded a tight corner and saw a pickup truck with a camper shell parked diagonally across the road. The manner in which it was parked completely impeded my path, and I couldn't drive around it because there was a gully on both sides of the road. The only way for me to go at this point was backward, where there was a pull-off that I could use to turn my car around. At first, I couldn't see inside the cab, but when I turned on my high beams, I saw that there was a man slouched over in the driver's seat, his head resting against the steering wheel as if he had been knocked out after a bad accident. I immediately sensed that something was wrong, the way his car had just coincidentally come to rest in a position that totally blocked the road was a really big red flag for me. 
I had had stories of people playing dead in the road as a way to lure unsuspecting people out of their cars so they could rob them. I decided, fuck this, and elected to go back to my classmate's house and explain what was going on. I threw the car into reverse and kept my eyes darting back and forth between my rear view and the truck. I looked and saw that I was almost to the pull-off where I could turn around. When I looked back, my heart skipped about five beats. The man who had been slouched over in the driver's seat was now walking at my car at a hurried pace, while a few other men jumped out of the camper shell and started moving towards me as well. I panicked and accelerated backwards into the pull-off, which messed up the undercarriage of my car pretty bad. As I put it into drive, the guy was already at my passenger side door tugging on the handle, which, thank the lord, was locked. I sped away and didn't slow down at all until I reached the house, constantly checking my rear view to see if they were still following. Thankfully, they didn't tail me, and when I reached the house, I explained what had happened to my classmate, and we called the cops. I was grateful that my buddy's parents were kind enough to let me stay the night. They didn't find anyone on the road matching the description, but I filed an incident report, and they told me they would be on the lookout for similar vehicles and suspicious activity. But holy shit, I'm still so shook up over it. I keep getting the same adrenaline rush I got when I saw the guy charging me whenever I think about it. Has anyone else ever had this happen? One day, when I was in elementary school, I was awoken by my mom in a rush. She had overslept, and since she woke me up in the morning, this meant that I overslept, and now there was just no way I was going to be ready for school early enough to get on the school bus. School started at 8am, and my bus pickup time was 7am, but it was already like 6.40 or something, and I was still in my pajamas and hadn't even eaten breakfast yet, so... Mom decided that today, we would just tell the bus driver to go on ahead and she would take me to school, which would give me plenty of time to get ready. So I'm sitting there at the dining room table eating breakfast, still in my pajamas, and it's now about 6.50. We hear the bus pull up about 10 minutes earlier than usual. My mom peeks her head out of the door, into the foggy morning, and waves the bus on. She closes the door and comes back inside but the bus doesn't pull away. There's a knock at the door, and Mom opens it to find a man in a bus driver uniform. He explains that he's a substitute driver, because the regular driver called in sick. He says he knows he's a few minutes early. He wanted to get an early start on the route, since he didn't know it well. My mom explains to him that she was going to take me to school since we woke up late. He gets visibly upset, and says that he can wait a few minutes, since he's already running ahead of schedule. My mom insists that, no, I won't be ready to go in a few minutes, and tells him to go on ahead. He seemed angry about this, but turned around and got back into the bus and left. I return to eating my breakfast, and still don't have my school clothes on at this point, but at 7am sharp, another bus pulls up to my house. My mom thinks this is weird and goes outside to talk to them. She comes back inside looking terrified, but doesn't really say anything about it and tells me to finish getting ready for school. At the time, I didn't know what happened, but my mom would end up telling me a few years later. When she went to the second bus, she found that it was being driven by my regular bus driver. 
and it was full of all the other kids that are usually on the route. The other bus was empty, by the way. My mom asks the driver about the substitute driver and about him calling in sick. I never called in sick. There is no substitute driver on my route, he says. The driver immediately called dispatch in a panic and told my mom to go inside and call the police, which she did without me knowing, and reported the incident. There was absolutely no one doing my driver's route that day. Whoever this was was most likely a kidnapper who had targeted me. I never heard anything about it again, not even if someone else had ended up being picked up by this mysterious fake bus driver. But chances are, had I gotten on that bus, I would have never made it to school or back home. And if my mom hadn't overslept on that specific day, I would have been on that bus. When I was younger, I used to take naps upstairs, but by the time I was eight years old, I absolutely refused to go up there. The upstairs had two large closets. They ran from one side of the upstairs all the way to the other side on both sides. It was essentially a crawl space that was maybe 30 feet long. It started one day when a friend and I went crawling from one side to the other with flashlights like kids normally do. Then I saw a girl sitting there, in the corner, acting like she wanted to play with us. I know a lot of people say when they see a ghost, they aren't scared, just interested. Nope, I was beyond terrified. This girl looked normal, had blonde hair, a nice dress, and seemed friendly. I stayed silent, kept crawling behind my friend, and got out of the closet. Told him what I saw in there. He said he didn't see it but felt like he didn't want to go back in. Then, my parents would occasionally send me upstairs to get something, and when I would get up there, I would see the door swing open, as if they were trying to get me to come inside. I would lose toys and wouldn't be able to find them anywhere. Suddenly, my parents would be fishing out Christmas presents from the attic, and we would find some of my toys in there. I remember being eight years old, my parents still asleep in the morning, and I leashed up my dog to go take on the monster in the attic. My dog, usually up for anything, refused to go off the top step into the attic. My parents never believed me with all the weird things that happened in the house. I would get blamed for things that happened all over, leaving lights on, toys all over, things I knew that I didn't do. Well, anyway, we move out of there when I'm ten, not a week passes before the new owners call us up and ask if the house is haunted. Their daughter sleeps upstairs. She says she's been playing with a blonde-haired girl at night. My parents laughed at how crazy these new homeowners must be. To make an already long story short, the girl started appearing in other parts of the house for them. They would look over while watching TV and see the girl sitting on their daughter's lap, etc., they looked up on the computer the past owners of the house, found an old dressmaker that lived there, and a picture of the little girl wearing one of the ladies' dresses. The family that moved in there were absolutely torn apart. They got divorced, dad stayed living in the house, and ended up taking his own life in that house. I lived in a haunted house when I was a teen, along with my parents. 
several instances come to mind. We were remodeling an old farmhouse and had been there for a couple months before witnessing anything. One day, I was underneath my truck, which was supported by a jack. Stupid, I know. I was in the middle of working on it with no good reason to get out at that moment. Suddenly, the overwhelming urge to get out from underneath overwhelmed me. No sooner than I got out, the truck fell to the ground. The jack had slipped. It freaked my dad out. He thought I was under it. When my mom got home, we mentioned it, and she started crying, sobbing. It turns out that the previous owner died in the driveway under a vehicle in that same spot. I would often see moving shadows and strangely hear music from the upstairs area. The windows of the old house were cocked shut, and blackbirds would often get caught between the panes. We ended up replacing all the windows, but we had to break three inside panes to get them out. One of the more disturbing things happened when my mother was cooking breakfast. She turned away to get something out of the cabinet, and when she turned back around, all of the forks that were set out were bent straight up. Well, thank you so much, Oddballs, for joining me on this very lonely episode. I hope you enjoyed it. If you did, please be sure to let us know. You can give us a rating on any platform that you're listening. We would really appreciate it. It helps us dearly. And make sure to let your family and friends know about our podcast. We will be back next week with an all-new episode, but until then, remember to always keep it spooky. Mm -hmm.